0: Welcome to Workforce RX with Futuro Health, where future-focused leaders in education, workforce development, and healthcare explore new innovations and approaches. I'm your host, Vontone Quinlevin, CEO of Futuro Health. The growth of digital healthcare has accelerated significantly, and with the dramatic adoption of telehealth and telemedicine, thanks to the pandemic, that trend is sure to continue. There's also the promise of more healthcare moving to the home, afforded by current digitization trends and the growing impact of AI and machine learning on the healthcare sector. Our guest today is perfectly positioned to help us sort through the current and future implications of these trends and challenges. Gora Data is an internationally acknowledged subject matter expert on digital health, health informatics standards, and cyber health. He has consulted for major organizations and governments, including the state of California, the government of India, various departments and agencies in the U.S. government, and the World Bank and Asian Development Bank. Thanks so much for joining us today, Gora.
1: Thank you, Vaughn. Thank you very much. It is indeed my pleasure and honor to be part of this conversation with you.
0: Gora, delighted to have you. Uh, Maybe we can start with some fundamentals. Why do standard bodies exist and what is the role and purpose? I know you're involved in many of them.
1: Yes, you're absolutely right. And this is a fascinating question. I would love to address this a little bit. So I'm involved in multiple standards bodies. They're called standards development organizations, to name a few. ISO, International Standards Organization, IEEE Standards Association, and I will explain what that is. And then in the health sector, digital health sector, HL7, it's another standards body. But to answer your question, you know, why do standards exist or why do we need standards and therefore standard bodies? I'll go back in history and give you a few examples to drive home the point of why standards. Go back a little over 100 years. We had a massive giant fire in the city of Baltimore in the year 1904. As a response to the fire, we we had firefighters coming in from not only from Baltimore, from Washington, D.C., from New York, Pennsylvania, neighboring states and neighboring cities. They all converged to help. Unfortunately, almost all of them were standing on the side as the fire raged the city. Why? Because their fire hoses were incompatible with the fire hydrants and the water source within the city. And we have had similar examples uh, over history where incompatibility has led to uh, non-functioning of the need for which people have stepped up. Come back to 2001, uh, from 1904, 9-11, again, another classic example of when the first responders converged. And soon we found out that there was incompatibility of radio communication between the fire department between the Port Authority Police Department, between the local police department, and so on and so forth. All the various first responders were unable to talk to each other, and that led to some of the further downstream effect of the impact of the two planes. So again, that that's another where we saw incompatibility, and therefore, the need to standardize. So you, you can sort of get the trend. I'll give you three more quick examples, which are much more closer to home. Financial sector. Go back before 20 years ago, those of us who travel around the globe, if we had to get local currency, what did we do? Today, we whip out our ATM card, put it on an ATM, then get the money in local currency. That wasn't possible 20 years ago. So standards in the financial sector helped pave the way. And two more quick ones. Technology sector. Laptops. Two toasters, two cars, and the list goes on. We couldn't connect your laptop to somewhere else when you went to a different place, different city, different country. Today, Wi-Fi, what's that? That's an IEEE standard. And uh, cell phones, same thing. You go to any country, take your cell phone, you switch it on, it works. I'll give you one more example. In fact, I will ask you here. Go back 200 years, go back in history, in the early 1800s. There was one event which really has changed the world of world commerce that countries have come together. Before that, everybody were on their own. And what really enabled that early 19th century? And the answer is railroad and the rail tracks. When a railway track from one country came to the border, it was quickly found out that the other countries' railway track were of a different standard. It goes back hundreds of years. So anyway, in short, the need for standards is to enable commerce. It is to it's definitely standardized in the way we work the way we play the way we do our activities daily activities and the standards bodies are created to help bring together diverse experts and most of these standards bodies are volunteer driven organization
0: well i certainly have a newfound appreciation for standards with those examples from atms to laptops to toasters and railroad tracks i think we can all relate to not having to worry whether or not they all work together, right, as we travel. So, Gora, you mentioned HL7, which is a standard-setting body for technology in healthcare. What led up to the formation of that body, and what do you hope to get done there?
1: Similar challenges. The examples I gave in in the healthcare sector over 25, 30 years ago, when computing came around in, in the health sector, when hospitals and the other entities started having started using computing to deliver the task at hand. And soon they realized that you don't just have one system. You, you have a need to desire to connect your system with another system. So let's say your patient comes up to the hospital and you're part of the health system within the hospital, but then you want to send the patient for lab test. You want to do some prescribe some medication for them. You may want to send them for imaging. These are systems separate to your health system within the hospital. How do you interconnect? How do you interoperate? And that's why HL7 was formed over 25 years ago. With that initial goal of solving the problem within a hospital system, intra, but soon that has now expanded to inter-hospital, not only between the hospitals, but with other uh, provider community, other environments uh, with your local government for example in covid we saw the need as a public we saw the need to exchange our vaccine information uh, how do we do, enable that those are the reasons for hl7 was formed and the recent expansion is really the patient engagement that is how do we you and i as patients when we come into the health system how do we exchange our information i'm sure you don't appreciate every time you go to a doctor you're filling up You know, leaps of papers for the first time and the same set of information. Why can't I have that available? Where is the standard for that? That's HL7. I also mentioned a couple of other standards bodies. I just want to quickly talk about it. ISO, the International Standards Organization. This is a global non-governmental independent standards body comprising of 160 member countries. And if you want to be a member of ISO, you and I cannot be a member. It's only the countries who are a member. And you and I, any individual becomes a member of that country's delegation. So I'm part of the U.S. delegation to ISO in the health space. So they are it's divided into different technical committees. It's the one dealing with health, which is where my area of expertise is, digital health. So TC215 is health informatics within the ISO space. There are other technical committees. There are hundreds of those. And then the, the other one I mentioned is IEEE, Sanders Association. This is world's largest and maybe one of the oldest professional organization Sanders body, And I also am in, involved in that organization quite a bit.
0: Oh, well, thank you, Goro, for representing the country. This does not sound like easy work at all with so many stakeholders around the table. So thank you for what you do. There's a major trend in healthcare where more complex care is being delivered in the home. What do you see around the corner with regards to hospital and the home or the intersection of mobility and care?
1: This is a question you wouldn't have asked me two years before. It's because of COVID, suddenly there's a recognition that we need to do, we have to do, and we should be doing, taking care of our patients at their home where they are. The way our healthcare system has evolved, and I always remind people, unlike other verticals, where it doesn't matter which vertical you're talking about, whether you're talking about your logistics sector, you're talking about your financial sector, commerce, you know, it doesn't matter. Healthcare is over 1,000 years old. We have been taking care of patients as long as one remembers, as states goes back to, right? So the question is, In the modern times, the way healthcare has delivered, you and I as patients, we go to the hospital, we go to a provider, we go somewhere to take care of our health. Whereas when we are at home, the illness is still with us, but who is taking care of us at home? And what kind of environment can be provided for our care while we are at home? And that's the trend and COVID really put the spotlight on it saying that, okay, you cannot travel, you cannot go anywhere, stay at home, but your disease never stopped. Your health challenges never went away. We still had to provide. So that's why I say uh, two years ago, people said, no, it's not possible. You have to come to the care provider, whereas now we expect the reverse. And in fact, what I will get on to later on, I'm expecting a major transformation in the healthcare industry. In fact, it is already on its way where instead of the care receiver going to the care provider, which is how the healthcare works, is going to flip on its head, whereas the care provider will come to the care receiver. So now I can talk about that a little more. What do I mean by by that?
0: Let's go ahead and just jump right into that topic. I'm so curious. Okay. So when would the provider come to the patient, essentially? And what are companies that are at the leading edge of doing so?
1: I will give again two or three examples, and you will immediately see where I'm going with that. Now think what happened to the hospitality industry with Airbnb. Who was in control? You know, the traditional hospitality industry with the hotels and other sectors, you, you went there. Whereas with Airbnb and other such services coming into play, we, there was a complete turnaround on its head where the consumer was in control in terms of where they want to go, what kind of flexibility they have. Same thing we have seen in the Uber and transportation sector, again, initially, if if you wanted to get a taxi, you had to go to a taxi stand. But now the taxi comes to you. You you, you get what I'm saying with with the Uberization of the world we live in. The food delivery, again, COVID again has shown the spotlight on our delivery of food and and various services. Services like Amazon's, which are completely transforming how we deliver goods and services. Same thing in in the healthcare. And what I'm proposing in healthcare was there 200 years ago. Think about it. It was a doctor who came home with his chashé, with his doctor's bag. He made home visits. What I'm really expanding on is the fact that in future, it will be the provider coming by provider. It doesn't have to be always be a person. It can be a robot. It can be a drone delivering the medicine to you. Today, when you have to pick up a medicine, where do you go? You have to go to the pharmacy. Well, pharmacies have started home delivery, but the home delivery may take time. But what about drone delivery of the meds to your doorstep? Well, pizza delivery is happening. Why not your medication? So this is what I'm talking about, the transformation disruption which is going on in the the healthcare sector.
0: Well, Goro... You know, I've heard of concepts like the concierge doctor, where if you are part of that service, a doctor comes to you, but he or she has a more limited number of patients. So you have to pay a premium for that. But you're talking about much more than that in this trend, right?
1: Much much more. Yes, absolutely. So I'm not just talking about a physical person coming to you. It can be a driverless car vehicle coming in with a robot with, you know, sensors and other aspects which can take all your measurements, take all your... Uh, vitals and, and other things which the provider needs to have. I'm talking about introduction of AI and ML and virtual realities to coming into play in taking care of it. You wear your headset and, and there are sensors embedded in it which takes your vitals and take you other information since it across the globe may be where the, the doctor is there. So but the point which I'm making is it's not that doctors are getting redundant but they're going up in the kind of services they provide, the value of services. So the mundane activities can now be done by technology and especially the emerging technologies which have come in the last you know, 10 to 20 years.
0: And so we always ask ourselves a question on the workforce side. As these innovations come about, you know, how will workflows and skill sets change as a result of care being more provisioned in the home, whether it's through persons, robots, or drones? And we are already seeing
1: that. We are already seeing that because of advances in what I call emerging tech. And it's not one technology, the, the bunch of 15, 20 of those within that basket, you know, ML, drone, 3D printing, just to name a few quickly. These have already been marching on in other sectors of life. And in healthcare, they are now coming on, number one. The second is we are already seeing the gap which has created. On one hand, we have a tremendous demand of skilled workforce. And at the same time, you are aware of this very well. We have a lot of openings in the workforce. And this is not unique to healthcare. This is across all verticals, all industries, that we have a lot of jobs. What's the figure? 10 million jobs nationwide and 7.7 million folks looking for jobs. And either side is not able to find the other side. Why? Why? It is the skills gap which exists because we don't have our workforce either newly skilled or upskilled, side skilled, whichever way you want to look at it, but we have never retrained. And that's the challenge we have today. How do we enable that? And therefore, healthcare is also in the midst of it.
0: So, Gaurav, if, if I wanted personally to be better positioned for this trend where healthcare is moving into the home, what advice would you have for me or more aptly my children or my nieces and nephews, for example?
1: So there are a couple of things to it, all right? One is the current generation, the young generation and the future generation. They are much more tech-enabled and wired than many of us when I lovingly to the gray hair or the no hair folks. <laughs> and for example, you can take... Any child, a two-year-old kid, anywhere in the world, irrespective of their color of the skin, irrespective of the language they speak, there's one thing common about that two-year-old child. The two-year-old child can barely speak their mother tongue, but at the same time, the child knows how to play with dad and mom's cell phone. And the common is every dad and mom is trying their best to stop that, and they fail (laughs) spectacularly. The kid knows. How's that? Because that's what they are. The technology has wired the current and the future generation. Whereas some of us are sort of playing catch up. So we have two different challenges coming in. The new generation has certain expectation, whereas our current laws and regulations still need to catch up on that. We have some gaps there. I mean, healthcare is a classic example in the U.S. The primary law which governs some of the flow of information and access of information is HIPAA. And as I lovingly say, HIPAA is state-of-the-art 1996, still governing an access in 2021.
0: So. That must be a, quite a challenge for standard-setting bodies to play catch-up with all these regulations.
1: Right. On one hand, they're trying to do that. On the other hand, in the past, the standards bodies would sort of wait for technology to mature, for systems to mature before the standards would set in. Now they are much more agile and nimble, and they're moving ahead. So within the healthcare sector, we have emerging standards which are much more far-reaching and not waiting for the technology to mature. Interestingly, even the governments around the globe, including the U.S., have caught on to that. We now have, in the regulations, in the law, mention of standards which are still not, let's say, baked 100% ready-to-eat, what we call standards for trial use versus when the standards become completely baked at what we call normative standards. In the past, the governments would only accept normative standards in regulation, but now they are also accepting and proposing standards of trial use so that you don't have to wait for the standards to mature. You don't have to wait for the technology to mature, but you are able to streamline and bring in the solution right from early on.
0: What you mentioned sounds very similar to the world of higher education, where the curricular process has tended to want to take a while, right, to wait for the curriculum to mature. But the cycle time of technology is so fast that once you wait, you're actually obsolete. The curriculum is obsolete, especially for career programs. So then, you know, which brings me to this point, it's really tough for workers to keep up with the pace of change with technology evolving so quickly, Could standard-setting bodies establish skill standards so that higher education could actually peg their curricula even to these trial use standards before they become normative?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And in fact, that is already happening within some of the standards bodies for part of some of the ones I mentioned where we are specifically looking at workforce skill set, standardizing those, whether it's HL7, whether it is ISO, So, for example, I'm part of a group within the ISO TC215, which is looking at public health emergency response and preparedness. Well, COVID, just to remind again to everybody, that was an emergency we had two years ago, and we are still dealing with it. How do we standardize? So, there is an effort going on within ISO to standardize public health emergency preparedness and response. And a part of that work is actually one chapter on workforce skills required. So absolutely. And and there are other works which has already taken place. But your point is very well taken. This is an area which needs to evolve and grow.
0: And Gora, what about the use of data? I mean, when you talk about providers going to the home, I can see the clinicians. I can see the persons. You know, that, that skill set will continue to be relevant. The persons who fix the robots and the drones, I I can imagine that. What do you see as future uses of data in the future? And what kind of careers can a data-oriented person have in the future of care?
1: In fact, the way the world is moving ahead, the key focus is in this whole area of emerging area of data science, data usage. And the data usage can be the, the primary use of the data for whichever sector you're in the secondary use of the data and what we call the tertiary use of the data as well. So there we have different uses of the data, uh, you know, basically for primary purpose or for a secondary related purpose or completely different purpose. Research is one, one example where it is completely, in a, in a for totally different than what the primary use may have been, but you need that data to do the research, to do some postulation, to do some modeling, you know, completely third use. So. This is becoming one of the key areas where data science is evolving very rapidly all over, not only in the health sector.
0: So it sounds like data science careers
1: are growing. Absolutely. I mean, this is a well-known fact in the industry. If you do a salary survey right now, data science is one which is growing very rapidly. There's another area which is growing very rapidly. We haven't touched upon. I want to plant the seed for you right now, which is the whole impact of cybersecurity in the digital connected world we live in the bad guys. They are not gone away. They are here. And they are trying to make their best use of how to reach out to vulnerable citizens or organizations and create havoc.
0: All right. So careers in data science, careers in cybersecurity, the, these are all growing. You also have background in the public health sector Correct. and how it uses data. And I wonder, how has that transitioned from the past?
1: In a couple of ways, public health sector within the the larger healthcare sector has always been looked at as a separate area because the approach was, look, on the personal health when I'm taking of individual. I'm a patient, you are a patient, you know, how do we take care of that person, of the patient? Whereas public health or population health is looking at a much larger Macro level, stepping back at the entire population, right? Whether it's of a city or a country or a particular jurisdiction, and the public health was geared towards that. So there's different perspective, and people thought maybe we need different set of eyes, different set of rules. But what we are recognizing again, you know, if you use COVID as an example, where your individual health leads to public health, and your public health decision sometimes leads to individual health. So we are seeing the convergence. And there's another area which was also kept separately, is separate even today within our laws and regulations, is mental health, behavioral health. And again, the way the laws were created over the last 150 years, mental health in the U.S. is a completely an isolated, separate area. So in fact, if you are a patient with mental health condition and you go to a mental health specialist to take care of your health challenges, and then if you go to your primary care physician to take off your other health challenges, you can by law not have your mental health information be made available to the primary care physician. It is very fascinating how the laws have evolved. But as a patient, I'm I'm the patient, I'm having all these challenges. How do I get a solution or my health taken care of in a unified manner.
0: Mm, I can see that in this future world, all of us will want to have ownership over our data and give permissions to those that we want to have a holistic picture.
1: Absolutely. And what has enabled this is this whole emergence of mobile technology. Before that, you know, we had data, we had data in silos and there was a disconnect and there was no way to reach out and interconnect. Mobile technology is changing that completely for us. As a society, as a world, our expectation is changing overnight. We want that information now, you know, wherever that information is, and we don't want to wait for it. Guess what do we do first thing in the morning before our eyes open? We reach out for the cell phone.
0: Guilty, <laughs> Guilty, I said. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So the, the, the point is, this is where we are moving very rapidly, where our expectations have changed over the years, and mobile technology is one of the enablers. And therefore, yes, you know, we want our data, uh, and plus we want to be in control of our data. So how do we manage that? So yes, we are rapidly moving towards it.
0: Well, you've been doing quite a bit of work, including leading a federal grant with a set of partners, and Fatura Health, just for full disclosure, is a part of that effort, where you are developing culturally relevant public health IT workers and doing it through a health equity lens. You know, Gora, you are able to bring in not only Futura Health, but the UC system, the Cal State system, the community college system, and many other employer and provider partners to tackle this shortage. Tell us more about this consortium and effort that you are leading.
1: Thank you, Vaughan. And I'm really glad that you're part of that consortium. This was a fascinating journey we all began about a few months ago. In fact, this particular opportunity didn't exist before June of this year. It was a federal grant opportunity which came around where the federal government was looking at how can we strengthen the nation's public health informatics space, have skilled workforce available, specifically from the minority population, but at the same time, not just create a set of skilled workforce, can we fundamentally change the course curriculum of what is being taught in a particular place of public health informatics, change the curriculum, recruit and train the students and the working professionals, and then place them on the job pathway. So this is the work opportunity which came around. So the team we put together is a perfect example of what I call, I'm sure you'll agree, public-private partnership where industry, academia, and government came together. And our consortium has members from each one of these sectors, plus the trade union, the service union uh, associations as well. We all have come together to solve the common problem, which is, Let's change the curriculum across the state of California so that it applies uniformly. Let us make sure we are teaching not only our future students, we are also teaching and upskilling our current workforce in these new emerging areas. And at the same time, we are also bringing in minority population into the mainstream to make sure that when such challenges come in the future, we are much more prepared than we were in the past.
0: And Gorov, on the field of health informatics, I wonder if you can give some example of what that means or what's in that box of health informatics.
1: Sure. So health informatics and public health informatics are two overlapping, intersecting circles. So when we talk about traditional health informatics, we are talking about individual health. You know, as I was mentioning earlier on, me as a patient or somebody else as a provider, as a health system, so dealing with the patient and and surrounding that. Whereas public health informatics is looking at much more macro level at a much more population level. But again, some of the fundamentals are still the same in terms of from a technology perspective. And what we are working on with this particular grant we just spoke about, where we are looking into defining the public health informatics and technology requirements so that we can train our workforce appropriately. So I'll take one example to illustrate that point. All right. So first of all, we had to get, as the disease was spreading, and if we go back and see what happened in the last two years or so, we had to get ourselves tested to see whether you have a disease, right? Where do you go for that test? What kind of test do we need to take? How do we get that information? Not only us as a person, individual who's getting tested, how does the government, whether at the city level, at the state level, or at the national level, how do we get that information very quickly? Because of the mobile technology and the digital world we live in, we wanted that information. We want to know how many cases. That's one example of where informatics plays a big role in making sure that information goes up the chain very quickly. Think of it. You go to the lab today to get tested for something, right? It doesn't have to be COVID. It can be anything. You want to make sure that information reaches not only your city level, it goes to the county level, at the state level, and then finally at the federal level. All these takes time, but we want that information now. Can we do that? That's where technology come in. That's where standardization come in. And that's where the informatics role comes in. So it's not only on the testing side. Now think about vaccine we moved to. You know, and not only one vaccine, there are multiple vaccines. Again, the same cycle we're talking about. So this entire flow of information back and forth, up and down, needs to be standardized, needs to be defined in such a way that we have seamless flow of information. And that's where the role of informatics and standards come into play.
0: So if I were encouraging family members to think about careers, certainly sounds like everything that has to do with data. And the data infrastructure would be growing in terms of needs in the future.
1: Absolutely. In fact, if we just do a quick search in California, which is where we both are based, is the number one job is actually not, unlike to popular uh, belief, is not in the logistics sector. It is because of the supply chain challenges we are having. That is actually number two, but the number one is in the healthcare sector. And it's all across.
0: What a good call to action, Gora. And so let me close by asking you, I know that in some other countries, their mobile infrastructure is actually better than the infrastructure in the U.S. So are there any approaches to public health overseas or health informatics overseas that you think the U.S. can learn from?
1: Absolutely. And the U.S. is also working in close collaboration with many other countries, not only at the ISO, International Standards Organization level, but also direct collaboration. But in short, yes, there are other countries who have moved ahead. In fact, U.S. really started this paper to digital transformation in the health sector, I would say, only in, in 2010 or so. Earlier than 2010, the only penetration, and I'm, being, I'm generalizing here, but the only penetration in the healthcare sector was on the accounting and the billing side, how well we can quickly bill the patient for the services being provided. So it's more on the billing and the administrative side. But on the clinical care side, we were completely paper-based. Remember the clipboards? When you went to a doctor's office, the doctor had a clipboard, and they will enter the room with a clipboard and a pen and a paper. Well, you see little or lesser of that. Now they have a laptop. They have some kind of a computing available to them while they're seeing the patient. So this transformation, paper to digital, started in 2010. While other countries have been at it longer than us, and yes, there are lessons to learn. Two quick examples. There's a very fascinating project going on in the European Union right now called M Health Hub, Mobile Health Hub, which is looking into the deployment of mobile technology in the health sector across the twenty-seven member countries. More of of a knowledge health, but still it is looking at a unified access, a standardized access across the member countries. Other one is just a quick example of later tonight. I'm in fact speaking. At a health forum in South Korea, where the government of South Korea is very interested in hearing about what are the challenges and opportunities in the mobile health space, mobile health app space, the world we are soon moving into. Have an app? Yeah, we, we have an app on the phone. So, yes, there are a lot of examples of these.
0: It sounds like we can expect care to transform greatly and hence the skill set also of those workforce to do so as well. And anyone and everyone should be encouraging their loved ones to play with technology and mobile devices and learn data skills because they all seem very relevant in this world that you're describing. Well, Gora, I learned a great deal from you today doing this interview. I am so appreciative that you were able to join us on this podcast. Thank you for uh, spending time with us today.
1: No, th- thank you very much, Vaughn. Uh, it's been absolutely a pleasure, and I enjoyed the conversation. I'd love to come back to you and have further conversation. This was fantastic. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you. I'm Vaughn Tone Quinlevin with Futuro Health. Thanks for checking out this episode of Workforce Rx. I hope you will join us again as we continue to explore how to create a future focused workforce in America.